0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: Today is Sunday, June 4th, 2017. This is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, and I am Larry H. Russell. We already know it was a successful season, so how about putting it in a words, or I, I don't even want to say give it a number on a 1 to 10 scale because it's got to be t- a, a 10.
1: It was an 11. It was it was everything that a Celtics fan could have asked for and, and probably a little bit more. You know, I, I can go back to this. I've, I've been saying this a lot since the season ended, but even from a reporter standpoint, this team was so enjoyable to be around and so much fun to watch kind of get to where they got to. That I enjoyed it more than any of the the big three eras. I was just
0: ready to say favorite season since. Yeah,
1: like. I would I would say maybe favorite season since you know really the first my first season on the beat was 2010 and that was crazy just that because I didn't know I didn't know it was going to go to the finals and be all that and be game seven and perk and all that so it's hard to say that it was up to that level but probably since then it was the most fun I, I have a soft spot for 2012. You know that was just a crazy season, and I, I mean, you think back and they're one win away from the. But NBA the regular
0: seasons began. then were terrible. This regular season oh, was great.
1: It's, it's and, and you're exactly right there, and that's that's what it boils down to is from beginning to end, and to have that central figure of Isaiah Thomas sort of just be mesmerizing from the moment he showed up. Like I, I keep going back, like when we're putting together the the whole what an amazing year for Isaiah. I kept going back. I was like, well, we can't. We got to go back to August because he was at that Iverson thing, and that Iverson thing was awesome when, when he wanted to take his game to the next level. And then you're like, well, then July, when he was on the recruiting trips, it was just always something uh, about Isaiah and, and the way he elevated his game and ultimately followed through on everything that we thought was crazy when he said it in October. And so I just really, really enjoyed this season. I really enjoyed being around this team. I thought it was great that, you know, the, the just, even in the playoffs, just to rally in that first round, to win a game seven in round two, you know, and, and to get that game three in Cleveland in the conference finals. I mean, just what more could anyone ask for? Get the number one pick along the way. It, it's just remarkable. I, I don't think Celtics fans... Uh, It would be greedy to have asked for for anything more from that year.
0: We do need to go back in a chronological order in this season and review on episode 212 of Celtic Speed being brought to you today by ZipRecruiter and Casper. Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com slash Celtic. It's just Celtic now, not Celtics. And enter promo code Celtic. All right, screw it. No, you know what? Real quick, I want to get this out. Give me your top three favorite Celtic seasons of all the time you've been a fan, and you can. It's okay to openly admit, as a journalist, that you're still a fan, like myself. Yeah, of course. Give me your, give me your three favorite seasons, really quick.
1: So I would say 07, 08. Just because my friends bought season tickets that year on a whim before the year, they thought we were going to get Odin or Durant, and then they didn't. Nice. And then She's one of my friends. not going to we there. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> One of my friends moved across the country, and it ended up so we had an extra ticket, and so I probably went to, oh gosh, I, I won't say it was probably twenty twenty-five of the home games that year. And I just started back at Boston.com at that point, and you know the, the the video and audio age was was kind of ushering its way in, and I was doing a lot of Patriots. And by the end of that season, I said, you know what, this has been really fun. This has been uh, one of the more mesmerizing seasons. Something big is probably going to happen this postseason. Let's jump on it. And so I got to put on the reporter hat and and do the reporter thing through the end of that season. And and man, like it was my first tr- real big trip away for the LA in the finals. I, that that one would be hard to, to 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 top both personally and professionally. You know, before that, at, what was it? O two. The 2 next, to
0: the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, so I, that, was, that's my number two.
1: That I really enjoyed that one. And then no, I, I like I I don't know if I can. And I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting something here. Like. Right, I'll I forgot always you ha-
0: bandwagoned like you know, right around that. Exactly. You the like, 90s, I, unlike myself, I, who tortured myself <laughs> all those years. Well, here's the thing. I got a so, book out of it though,
1: and that's all that matters, yeah. right? Again, it's selfishly you 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 balance that professional and personal life. I'll always have a soft spot for those late '80s and early '90s because that's when my dad would sit there and watch games with me and tell me how great Gorman and Hineson were, and I, I I grew an appreciation for 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 the Celtics then. Uh, but you know, again, per- personally, professionally uh i I will carry this season uh near and dear i don't know if it's number one i don't know if it'll if it'll get up there with that with the 0708 or or that 0102 team but uh it's pretty close
0: i'll go with number four if not number five just quickly on a whim i've always admitted this one for me number one is 91 that was the first year i followed the team and then 2002 2008 and then, actually, yeah, you know what, I'll go wait, Yeah, I'll, I'll probably get some grief putting 08 number three, even though it's... <laughs> talk about a storybook season. And then this is probably a distant fourth. Anyways, we got to get right down to business. We're like a good five, six, seven minutes into this, quote-unquote, season in review show. And here it is, it just turned down to one of those classic, you know, trips down nostalgia lane here with me and you. That's not the first time we ever do that. We only have so nope, much time not at all. on this uh, broadcast. So, easiest way to do this, of course, chronological order... And the season in review doesn't start on October—I don't know, twenty seventh, twenty eighth, whatever the first game of the year was. Twenty sixth, I believe this date was. It mm-hmm. starts when you ask all those little people on the, in the Boston media <laughs> to go forth with summer forecasts at the end of July. So, I know. I'll just get this out of the out of the way. You're going to bring. You're going to do, do a little Tyler Zeller cheap shot <laughs> low blow. However,
1: no, I, I I even said I even said I am not going to bust his chops. About how, that, yeah. That.
0: However, no one's going to remember that. Number one seed in the Eastern Conference Finals. Who got that one? Raise your hand. I did. I nice said job. Si- I said sixty wins as sort of a hot little take aggressive thing. as little a hot aggressive. take thing. You know, get it out there on Twitter. Larry H. Russell, sixty wins. In <laughs> reality, it was fifty-seven. Okay, I was a minus four on that one. But the number one seed. I didn't say lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. I would say my big whiff, though, was defensively. This is sort of what we've all forgot: is the kind of step back that the team took defensively. I guess we can get into that oh, later yeah. whenever you want to. Uh, but how, give me your summer forecast and, and how it looked.
1: Uh, so I don't have the exact numbers here, but I think I was pretty close on the win. I, I, I want to say I had the like, important stuff.
0: You know, don't say, "Well, I said Kelly Olinick was going to start." I mean, I missed. And it <laughs> no, no, we don't care.
1: No. I was pretty close on the wins. I think I was one or two wins off. Um, I want to say I, I had them getting to the second round of the playoffs with a chance of reaching the finals. So I, I wasn't like I, I, I wasn't on point with 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 much of my forecast. But I agree. Like the one thing that sticks with me as I was kind of thumbing through the archives is is one I can't believe how we sat there and said you know should they cut Joe Green because you know heaven forbid we give up on R J Hunter or, or James Young and you look back and you, you see. Cheryl Green emerged, and I'm slapping my head. And the defense thing—oh my god! Well, how yeah, that—that's
0: one. That was the one real letdown of the year, I thought. Because it, it, the, it, so what's, what's the, was, I thought it was a given that the team would come in number, you know, top five defensively, and if not, challenge for number one. And that was the one real letdown of the season. So why, what's why was it a letdown? State? No. What are your thoughts on this? I'm the host on this show. This is my show, Chris. What are your <laughs> thoughts on this?
1: Um, so it's weird, right? Because the offense was so good, it, it clearly negated. The fact that the defense slipped as much as it did, and I do think there's something to it. Brad, you know, kept going back to it, and, and he wasn't wrong. Was that if you take away the first 12, 13 games of the year, that awful uh, uh, loss to the Nuggets, that awful loss to, to the, the Wizards, Wizards. yeah, we you know, get they, into that. they they dug themselves some uh, a really big hole to get out of. And I think if you took that away, they'd probably be, I don't know, flirting with the top 10. Yeah, but it was still- never elite. No, exactly. It it was supposed to be
0: an absolute assumption that it was an elite defense, and it never was. And it never really was. There was only, like, stress or sorry to interrupt you. That's what I do. There was only, I would say, like, the (laughs) one one game I can reference was the fourth quarter of that Rockets home win, uh, which was, like, late January, and that was, I think, they were in the midst. I think that was, like, the first win of a seven-game winning streak that they had after they lost to Washington. In a Marcus Smart, he had like a little yeah, you know, yeah. if issue, and then they came back the ne- next night, and they locked Houston down defensively. So outside of like a little stretch that I saw in the fourth quarter against Houston, I never saw that, you know, just the defense really be what it was at, at various points of the year last year, and even late in 15 as well.
1: I, I guess the thing I'm left wondering is, is like, ultimately, was that an issue? I mean, as much as it was a... I know, it, was it, it probably wasn't. It, it, it's like, it really didn't impact Were they going to beat Cleveland? yeah no like like, even if they if if they had the number one defense in the regular season did we somehow expect that was going to keep them from getting keeping cleveland under 120 in the postseason i don't think so i think moving forward you hope that they find a way to get back to a more consistent defense maybe take some of the pressure off that offense in general but but looking back like you know i don't i don't i don't think we could have predicted the offense was going to explode quite the way it did so it, it kind of uh, uh, washed out the fact that the defense regressed as much as it did.
0: Real quick, give me a very quick theory and a very simple, I know you really can't dive into this too far with the time that we have, as to why the defense took the step back that it did. Was it largely because the big man was constantly having to shadow Isaiah's man, and then of course they didn't have that rim protection as is to begin with? Is that like the most simplistic observation you could
1: possibly give?
0: In, you know, sure, know 20 but seconds it, or less?
1: It, I, it, I, but I think it, the other thing is the offense was so good, they just sort of said like, eh, screw it. Like we don't have to play defense as good as we did because we're putting up 100 plus points a night. And I, I know that's like, like, how does how does that happen over the course of an entire year? But I do think it just the offense came so easy at times. You think about the year before they had to work so hard on every possession, you know, just to to, to because they knew they they weren't going to score consistently. Well, it, I think it's just naturally they, they loosened up a bit when they realized that Isaiah could go down there and create offense every time, and, and for whatever reason, they just they just never dug in to to the level they were capable of.
0: I think there's actually something a lot to that. I really do. To move right along, though, something that we, we did expect to be an issue this year, and it certainly was, and it played out in the second game of the season, and I can recall... Uh, <laughs> Fatal flaw! Fatal yeah, flaw! I can recall you were on our October 30th show, against charlotte which was a win on that saturday they played charlotte me and you got up at three in the morning four in the morning whatever it was to record that show and he said geez why did not the hornets send the you know send the guys to the glass the way chicago did rebounding certainly was an issue it was an issue in that bulls game the second game of the year you referenced the nuggets and the wizards blow out i remember the game against the wizards down there they just got out rebounded by like Oof. 150 or, or whatever <laughs> it was how would you say that rebounding you know sort of impacted the season
1: yeah, like, I mean, it was always present, and it certainly got magnified whenever they went on those, those losing streaks. And, you know, even you think back to the start of the playoffs and, and Robin Lopez going nuts on the glass, and everyone's like, see, see, this is, we knew this would be an issue. Uh, but again, it, it's, it's almost like the defense to me, you, you, or, or, may, or maybe not, maybe in this terms it is, is I didn't have high expectations for the rebounding. We kind of knew it was going to be an issue. And they went through spurts where they did it well, or, or well, well ish, is for, for what they are. But they, we knew they were the shortest team in the league. It was going to constantly be an issue. I thought they uh, managed it about as well as they could have. Does that mean I, I, that I don't think they should go out and, and find some, uh, uh, you know, import Zizek and, and get some rebounding this summer? No, absolutely not. They, they need to get better at it. They, they must go out and, and, and fix this issue. They can't let it linger. Uh, because, again, I think that goes back to why the defense was so bad at times, too. You know, you can't play great defense for 24 seconds and then allow a tip in and not have it weigh on you. Like, wow, I, I can't go down there and work really hard for 24 seconds just to give up a second chance basket. Uh, I, I think that that frustrated them at times and was was the root of their of their troubles for for a lot of a large portion of their of their losses. But um, you know, again, all things considered, um, I don't know if it, if we sat there in October and we said, is this their fatal flaw? Will this be the reason? they don't achieve their goals. And it, it wasn't. Like they, they got again, they got as far as we could have possibly imagined, and I don't think rebounding was the difference in the Eastern Conference finals.
0: I don't know if this is anic- I an mean, this is actually prop this is anecdotal and it was just sort of a trend that I did notice in that whenever they did get blitzed on the glass one night, like will you say, uh the Cleveland game, for you know, there was just there were certain games whenever they got blitz on the glass one night. Say Chicago at the beginning of the year. There was another game too right before they played Washington towards the end of the season at home. They ended up coming back and just out rebounding Washington by at least ten or even more, I believe, in that late March home win. I want to say it was, which is a real crucial game. It ended up being for home mm-hmm. court advantage in the playoffs. Am I reiterating our point by saying that whenever it, they— it's
1: right? It, I think it, it's all of their flaws. Whenever they wanted to do it they figured out a way to do it and that's a good sign like a a team that kind of is able to to know they have a weakness to, to have a bad night but then kind of bounce back when they needed to yeah i agree i th- i just think that that's a good sign that's a good sign of coaching too right that brad would sit there and say hey listen you got annihilated by the bulls the other night on the glass here's what we're going to do to fix it even though we still haven't grown since the start of the year
0: I was going to say, if, is any of this coaching? Because none of the players outside of Marcus Smart on the team really put a concerted effort
1: into boxing players out. It, I mean, it has to be. Co- I mean, it has to be good coaching, right? Like the fact the fact that they fixed it. Um, I okay. mean, I don't know how. I, I look at it as if Brad had the necessary parts. I'd like to think they'd be a better rebounding team. Do I think that there were were times where you know I'm I'm not saying like he could a coach can't mask it for the entire season, but I thought especially once we got into the playoffs. Like, and we'll get to this probably, but you, the the chess match he had with, with with Hoiberg and Brooks, like, I mean, pretty clear. He he made all the right choices and, and and made all the the right moves to to put his team in position to win those series.
0: Unequivocally, the worst uh, the team played during the season was right after Isaiah Thomas got hurt. Um, they beat they blew out the Magic one game. I want to say it was I want to say it was on Larry Bird's birthday, and then there was that. Oh, geez, you know, could they be better without Isaiah Thomas? <laughs> And, I love that. Uh, week, by the uh, way. Yeah, that didn't really turn out so well. They ended up losing to a bunch of good teams. What was? Give me a weird contrived storyline for the season. I'm sort of setting you up because I thought uh, I kind of called you out on one earlier in the year when you said, "Oh, geez, they're not beating any good teams in close games." And I was like, "Chris, they've played like three good teams in close <laughs> games. This <fall>. Why freak <laughs> out?" With it's almost like you guys are trying. You guys, I'm dumping you in there you with people. the with the beat with the beat team where there's this rush to find. A storyline that you called first and I got it. I tweeted it before you guys did. <laughs> oh, re- Give me a weird contrived oh, storyline or, contrived or, story or hot take before the year that just totally, you know, blew up in its face. Could it be uh, good let's against two teams in close games? Better without better without Isaiah, obviously. I mean, like that, that one the
1: there's no way that I mean because that came back to life in the playoffs, like when they won that game three which was you know, hilarious. Um I, I think a lot of the, especially during the year, the hubbub about the starting lineup, like, people wanted Amir out of there so badly at times, and even into the playoffs. Um, but, you know, there was always this, well, when they have their starting lineup, they're the, they've never lost a playoff series, you know, it was almost like that, 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 that line, um, because they were so injured. But I don't know, there was never really anything, I'm trying to think of, like, individual players, you know, it was hard, everyone was so injured for stretches that they all got that treatment, that. You know, we had that stretch in January where we're like, well, how valuable is Avery Bradley really if he can't stay on the court? And then, you know, the, the Crowder going off about Hayward. Um, you know, that was was probably nothing contrived about that, but it was just a weird thing in general. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we had many contrived uh, contrived storylines. And I do. I will go to bat for myself here. I do believe, like, it, we we're going to get into signature wins. But So what, was your, what would you say was their first signature win?
0: At Golden State.
1: And what was when so that? Was that?
0: Was, that, was in, that was in like March, right? I mean, that was the signature. That's, I don't know if I was, that's my, March my yeah, first okay. signature win, but that's just, the, that's just the win that jumps out from the season, obviously. Uh, I mean, so they but, had some very good wins. I mean, I want to say when they beat the Rockets in January on the back-to-back after losing that Wizards game after Marcus. Uh, you know, that's a point in the year where that season really could have come unglued uh, to an extent. They really were not playing all that well. I believe they had just lost some really bad home games to the Knicks and the Portland Blazers. and the Knicks, yeah. yeah they Oof. lost those, and then they went down to Washington. They got beat up pretty good. Marcus Smart had the issue down there. And they came right back and played a Rockets team on a back-to-back. And like I said, they, they, I talked about earlier in the show, they locked them down. I would say that's... Yeah, you know what? With the, the the kind of season that Houston had, I mean, you can call that—I mean—a signature win. It was at home, it was on a back-to-back, and it was really what I thought propelled the team. They really took off after that game. But the David? signature win was Golden State.
1: Sure, and I was going to because I was I was wondering if you're going to throw that Toronto game there in early February where they didn't have what DeRozan wasn't wasn't on the court and so you know people were were hesitant to call it a signature win. But oh, the March they,
0: February first, yeah, that was a good Fe- game yeah, so great. They crowd. they
1: hadn't they hadn't beaten Toronto to that point, mm-hmm. but it it, it it plays into what you said that that was the stretch there where they beat you know the, they started it with that Houston win and they were on fire. They really had the chance to go into the All Star break on like a ten game winning streak or whatever. They let that one go uh,
0: against the Bulls. The Jimmy Butler yes. call.
1: And and they also I think they had a hiccup against Sacramento in early and but like all all things considered like they were really rolling at that point and uh I would agree like that was the first time I think I started to step back from the no, non-signature win ledge uh, and then when was it the Cleveland game March first where was that the Avery Bradley defense at yes. the end there yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah, that's when I think that was the first time I think I said okay this team has the potential to do something they showed me something by by stepping up. on on that game and it was before all the hype and all the you know number one seed and it was just a a good early march game where they got a chance to to find out where they were and avery to lock down kyrie there at the end that's that was the first time i said you know what maybe they can get to the second round and, and and depending on who it is if it's not toronto uh, and I don't know. Maybe right. there was Delors this Toronto. big
0: anybody but Toronto thing in there for the longest time. They're
1: maybe really that most... was the be- Maybe that. Maybe that was the most contrived storyline. Because I don't know if, if how it would have played out oh, differently. The Lowry certainly...
0: injury certainly changed the scope. Of
1: exactly. The game. Like I mean, I don't know if you know. You can make certainly make the case that by the end of the year, the Wizards were uh, uh, maybe a tougher opponent in that round. But you just never know how that that would have played out.
0: So was it really that long at the point of the year where you really felt that it began to click? Because for me, when I thought they came out of that crazy December schedule, pretty much well above water there. I mean, I wouldn't call this a signature win, but when, I, when Isaiah went nuts in the fourth quarter in overtime down in Memphis right before Christmas, they were down mm-hmm. 17 points, and that was a real solid road win against a Memphis team that was playing really well at the time. That game, then when they then they were all just that, that's when I felt like it was at least starting to click, and that's when I felt okay, this is at least going to be a second round team.
1: Yeah, I, I think what it was is that you know there was that point so they were 13 and 12 in mid December, coming off that San Antonio loss on the road where they went like you know 0 and two against Oklahoma City and San Antonio. And I think we're all sort without of without Isaiah. Yeah, exactly, and then we're but we're still all sitting there saying, well, you know what is this like? This is supposed to be a team that was going to compete for a top spot. You know, what do they have here? And I think what that, that late December stretch to me will always be just that was Isaiah being like, here I am. Like, I'm ready to take my game to the next level. Had that ridiculous game at home against the Heat where he scores 29 in the fourth quarter in OT. 52. Um, no, I mean, it there was. There was no overtime in that game, right? Was there no overtime? No. That's right. That's right. It was, it was just the, the fourth quarter. 29 points yeah. in the fourth quarter, right? Like, whatever it was. It was absurd. It was like. And that was the same deal. They they were they had been in Cleveland the night before and lost. They had no energy. They came home for whatever reason. That the second night of back to back, they had a, a, evidently a, a good amount of signature wins those nights, which is which isn't surprising. They they've done that in the Brad Stevens era. Uh, but th- that late December, I was like, all right, wow. You know, Isaiah is gone to another level. This team is going to be pretty interesting. But you think about it, they were they, that one game over 500 in mid December, and then you look up and by like the second week of January, they were. 11 games over 500 and that's when you started to say, started to think okay they they're, they're gonna be in the mix for a top spot but well will play out but honestly I, I really don't think I sat there thinking, uh maybe because of the injuries, maybe because again, you know, fair or not, they just they didn't, they had didn't have a brutal
0: a- December schedule. We forget about that. Oh.
1: <laughs> the Celtics
0: may be out, but it's still the playoff season with the finals set to begin Thursday, and having the right players on the court, such as LeBron James, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant, has proven to key the success for the Warriors and Cavs. That sharp outside suitor and power rebounder can be the difference between winning and losing. And business isn't any different. Your company needs the right people to be the best. So where do you go to find the top talent? You can't find the best candidates by posting your job on just one site. You need to post on all the top job sites. And now you can with ZipRecruiter. At ziprecruiter.com, you can post your job to a hundred plus job sites with one click then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your position that's why ZipRecruiter is different unlike other top job sites ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you it finds them in fact over eighty percent of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours no juggling emails or calls to your office simply screen rate and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy to use dashboard Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses on all sizes nationwide. and Right now, Celtics Beat listeners can start forming their own winning team on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com sportsfan. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Next, let's talk about Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. They are revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Casper is made of supportive memory foam for a sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus it's breathable design, sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature throughout the night. And you can buy it easily online and completely risk free. Because Casper understands the importance of truly trying out a mattress that in all reality you spend a third of your life on, Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period. Wow, 100 days, so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Studies have now proven lying on a bed in a showroom has no correlation to whether it is the right bed for you. And get this, you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash Celtic and entering the promo code code Celtic that is Casper.com slash Celtic and promo code Celtic free shipping applies to U.S. and Canada customers only terms and conditions apply so these slow starts are actually now a bit of a trend for the last two three years I can say the last three years but we really can count three years ago when they weren't very good is that just the continued experimentation of Brad Stevens every year with these lineups
1: I, I don't know cuz I don't think he experimented a whole lot this year. No, he definitely experimented with the with the group for a very long time. I mean, I think he wanted to play the same lineups but they were just not healthy. And so that that was part of the struggle there at the start. Just like you said, this was the first year where the schedule really conspired against them at the start of the season because and and, and I think we knew that. So the, you, you, you you didn't want to get too down on them based on that where they were in mid December. And he felt like if they could make some hay there in early January, uh, that, that maybe the, they could, could be what, what we thought they would be. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think it was he, maybe a little bit of experimentation, but I don't know. Like, I felt like he was pretty locked in on his roster this year. I do remember after that, which game was it? There was definitely a game on the road where I remember wondering in, in maybe January or February where I said I, I asked him, I like, you know, did you play this guy just because you're still searching? And he was like adamant. He was like, no, it was more like, you know, this is just what we had to go with. And and, and, uh, I I feel like they they locked in pretty early on the guys. Now, you can always make the case that, uh, you know, he probably should have crunched down a little sooner, but... You know again, all things considered it worked out pretty well.
0: I was surprised that he did that at this that, during the year because I thought that was the case last year and that he would have the benefit, knowing that mostly because there was a big turnover prior to last year wasn't so much coming into this year outside of Horford, which of course the adverb that we use to describe him quote unquote fitting in was seamlessly, but outside of him, he was the only guy that they had to work in so I was surprised that there was so much of that. of course that there you know there were just so many injuries with horford with with Isaiah at the point of the year. And then boom! What else am I missing in terms of that? That, that,
1: that was another contrived storyline. Al just is no, no, don't, don't, no, don't.
0: Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were going to talk about the baby thing, and I was like, that you are not allowed to bring that up on the show. Speaking of contrived storylines, <laughs> well,
1: I mean, you, you aren't wrong, but hey, no, the, 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 like, but even like, I think we were like right before the playoffs, and Al was like, you know, I'm just, I'm just still getting more comfortable. It's like, dude, you just played 90 games with the team. I think you're pretty comfortable. And he showed it in the playoffs. Now, I, I can't say that unequivocally there was nothing to it. I just think we tended to make a bigger deal like, you know, oh, he's still, he's still figuring out like, how to run these pick and rolls. Like, no. It was, it, he definitely is a, 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 someone who needs that comfort level, and he certainly helps to have that time with the team. And I'm, I'm curious to see how that blossoms moving forward. But um, I, I think I, I laughed when we, were, when we were still writing that storyline in April.
0: Okay, so you brought up the playoffs, of course, get to that. I just want to get one quick question in, Chris, before the playoffs. I know what your mindset was, and this is not going to be – there's going to be 10 gazillion offseason shows. I got one. I would like to save it a little bit for the queue, But you'll almost assuredly tie it into this. What was your mindset after the trade deadline at whatever Thursday that was at 3.09 p.m. Eastern time?
1: How did you feel? Uh, I like I don't want to like make it sound like some victory lap, but I just assumed nothing was going to happen. Now I thought they they did exactly what we thought they'd do. They they shot for the moon, and realized that the price tags were way too expensive for Paul George and Jimmy Butler, and maybe that somehow took them away from the the smaller fish in terms of you know they didn't want to do anything that would muddy up the summer or you know they, that that could have thrown one of those deals into jeopardy had they somehow come to life, but. Uh, I just sort of figured that this would, would they would emerge on the other side looking a lot like they did, and uh, you know I, I thought the whole you know when, when did people start when Toronto started making a little bit of a run there late in the season and Tucker started to look really comfortable and uh, Ibaka and you start everyone's like well you know now gonna, they can they should have made a move or they got no chance now uh, and maybe it's once again it which, had no
0: impact too exactly once again it had you no know, impact
1: I mean like it's story of the year it, is is that. They they made the right decision there to stay to, to to not waste these assets and and I know people are, are invariably going to be patient and people will freak out again if they if if if, if they don't make like uh if they say they strike out in free agency this summer and they and, and and they they just all they do is draft and, and add little pieces people will be like oh oh yeah, how yeah long the number one overall
0: happen? pick in the draft little piece
1: I mean yeah I know, you know no big deal right and uh I just yeah I I think they made the right decision there I think they knew too. Uh, and maybe – I don't think they – I'm not going to give them enough credit and say that they knew that even getting one of those guys probably wasn't going to be enough to get them over the hump. I think they still make the move if the price tag was reasonable to get one of those guys and, and you see what happens. But I think they also uh, had at least some idea in the back of their mind no matter what – when they're thinking about, well, is this a good deal? Would we do this? Should we mortgage the farm? They said, you know, I, I just don't think it's enough, It, it that uh, the, the future is much brighter if we just hold on to these assets we'll revisit this this summer when price tags could be different and there's still a chance to, to go do it without having to sacrifice assets. I thought they were very prudent in uh, keeping the eye on the the larger picture here. And I think that's tough for, for teams to do.
0: Yeah. This is not an off season show. And I do want to save that for when we actually do specifically talk about the off season. So I will kind of finish on this one, you know, shot. It's amazing how, I don't know, fortunate they are in the non moves that they have made since the Brooklyn deal. And since that, they've, They've pretty much held on to the picks almost at all times, going all the way back to the Justice Winslow stuff and all that. It's amazing how you know fortunate that they have been in the non-trades that they have made. And be it had it been something like this year, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, or even the smaller moves like Serge Ibaka or um, P.J. Tucker, it ended up having zero impact whatsoever on the well-being of this team. And, of course, they maintain all that collateral moving forward. Duh! That is stating the obvious. Okay, let's go. Right to the playoffs. Before we even get to the playoffs, we're sticking with sort of our own personal mindsets and recalling what we were thinking going and going into the playoffs. The playoffs, sadly for me, is when I actually had to check out on the well-being and for the, for the greater good of the network. But my the from a fan point of view, I was saying to myself, just win the first round playoff series. <laughs> we're good. What did you I,
1: what, was that was that I, what you thinking? Just win on yeah, the first round for sure. I thought when they went especially when they went down to 02 I said, "Wow, this is going to be a real bummer if they if they can't come back and win this because
0: I wrote it you know, off.
1: not not only did they have such a good season and they were really embracing that whole, you know, disrespect card with people before the playoffs saying that they were the worst number 1 seed in history, but you know, obviously the Isaiah thing happens and you know, there's this natural weird Vibe around the team, and no one knows how to respond. And um, you, you definitely—I I, I don't know if there—if we can ever simulate how things would have been different if, if he didn't go through that tragedy. Um, but you know, the, he did, and the way he responded to it, and the way the team rallied around him, and the cagey voicemail and everything—it um, was really cool the way they won that first round series. And, and just like you said, going in, I think I would have said in my mind. You know, just get through the first round because if the if if, if you, you, we saw it in that small glimpse when they went down 0-2 and everyone's sitting there going, Brad Stevens' coaching record is 2 and 12 or 2 and 14 in the playoffs. He has the worst winning percentage of any head coach, and well, oh, maybe this guy just th- can't coach in the playoffs. And you know, you sit there and, and kind and of why was head.
0: getting out coached in the first two games. That was not a sports What's talk he? radio coach. He was not looking good in those first two.
1: Come on. I just think there were bigger things at play than than the coaching in that in those first couple of games. Like okay, the whole Rodno thing too. You know, right, again, alternate world can, can and we And simulate... Robin Lopez is going nuts and right,
0: no, you know they. After they lost game two, uh, I did a radio show out in Los Angeles, and I said there's absolutely no chance the Celtics can win this game. They, I felt like they literally had lost. It looked like a chessboard, wow. and they had like a couple of pawns and a king, and they were just like marching their king alone like the board, just you know trying to drag this out as long as they like, and, and And the Bulls had everything, and they could just sort of. I gave the Celtics zero percent after game two. Before the Rondo, uh, before the, the the Rondo news, how did you feel after game two? Did you give them any shot?
1: I, I did. I, I like I, again, and, and maybe I'm just try, trying to rewrite history there, but I, I do think that I, I was still confident because of everything going on around them. I felt like if they could get back to the focus on basketball uh, with a seven-game series, with Brad able to kind of tinker, I felt like they would at least get themselves back into it. I will say, so the, the the Rondo news definitely gave me even more confidence in that in that opinion, and then I remember swinging a little bit back the other way. When Brad comes out before Game Three and says we're going to go with Joe Green in the starting lineup, and I, I remember like looking at the other guys and saying this is a big moment in Brad's career because this goes one of two ways: either this is a, a panic move, yep, like exactly, uh, complete, like uh, like here I'm smarter than you. I, this is we're going to we're just gonna do this, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense on paper, but it's gonna work, or you know. It, it goes the opposite way and they go out there and they get trounced and then you know the series is over and everyone's questioning like you know wow all right his record was already bad and now he, he can't even push the right buttons uh credit to brad like i don't think there was any human being on earth who thought that gerald green was going to be the secret weapon uh in that series i would have
0: said you you were bullish on gerald all year I, but not that much.
1: Okay, right. <laughs> not, not, not I always thought I thought he was that gonna was going to be the Nate Robinson
0: go. quote unquote win a playoff game, and he did.
1: I would that, that will we
0: completely... pat ourselves on the back. I even felt that that way too. You far more so than me that he was going to have his Nate Robinson moment or Glenn but McDonald I... moment there for our old time <laughs> listeners. We got to give them their shout out.
1: <laughs> I thought for sure it would be Jarebko in that situation. Oh. And oh. Uh, I don't know huh? if it would have been much different huh? in how it played out. Like maybe they would have given the game the same sort of energy and scoring or whatever. Uh, but you know what? I, I say that and then part of me sits there and says, Gerald just really had a, 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 a good stretch there. Was he? I mean he was terrible defensively, but he gave them the little – Lift offensively they needed, and especially I think there was both was it right out of the gates in game three and game four I think it was that he had a couple big three pointers and he just felt like wow you know hey they found something here um, and opened up the floor got 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 cleared some space for them to work more inside uh, you know Gerald was a really good voice too uh, the guys just gravitated to him whether it was just because he was so loose and goofy or whatever but it gave him more of a presence and uh, in that locker room and. I don't know. It, it was just it was the right move at the right time, and I don't know if we simulated that series a hundred times over again, it would have worked. But in that instance, it did, and good on Brad for for figuring out uh, the best way to get his team back into it. And once they got in, it, once they got back into that series, I think I started saying, oh, when "Okay." Oh, it
0: was two-two back to Boston. It was. Uh, it's, I, I thought it was over for the Celtics when they were down 0-2. and then when they brought it two-two back yeah. to Boston, I was like, "There's absolutely no chance they lose this series." I yeah, didn't felt it, it, they were going to win it after I won- game three, and Ronda was out for the year. South- so Sadly, that, that that was my mood <laughs> swing with that series. It, it changed on a whim.
1: What was your feeling going into the, the Wizards series at that point then?
0: I actually did believe that they would beat Washington. But I also felt that if they didn't, they were playing with house money at that point. I felt like, listen, now it's – honestly, for me, it's all eyes on the draft lottery – I think a better question to ask is... First off, you thought they'd beat Washington, right? Real quick, yes or Yeah, no. I, d- okay. I did. I, did. I, did. I, I, I thought they were going to take them down, too. And I did think they were going to need the full seven games. But anyways, here's here's a question. How much did the Washington series change the perception of the team? I actually thought, once again, I want to save the offseason so for another time. I thought with Utah beating the Clippers, getting into the second round themselves... I don't know. There's going to be some player in, uh, on uh, Utah who is going to be discussed about <laughs> certainly for the next uh, three to f- three weeks or so. Actually, almost up till July 4th. Now, four weeks. Excuse, excuse me, but they were in the second round as well. How much do you think them beating Washington and being one of the final four teams in the NBA changed the perception of the organization throughout the league?
1: First off, if you're going to spend a lot of time on a certain player from Utah, Jay Crowder is not going to listen to your podcast wow, this summer. Well,
0: that's just one but, <laughs> download, and if he's not uh, using our coupon codes for our advertisers, we don't care about Jay Crowder here. Go ahead.
1: Wow. Um, I, I do agree. I think if there's something to just the general notion that they were one of the final four, one of the final three, however you want to look at it, that uh, More games the rest in the, of the first league, place.
0: More days in first place?
1: <laughs> well, but I think there's 26 teams at home watching and guys who are going to be free agents, and they're sitting there watching their TV, and they see them and they say, you know, huh, how close are they? If you get bounced in the second round, you're not one piece away. If you at least get to the finals, I think there's free agents out there who look at you and say, I can put that team over the top. You know how that team gets competitive with Cleveland? They draft the number one pick and they add me. And I just think there there is something to that that, Getting through that second round just gave them that a little extra juice for free agents. Now, I don't think it's a huge swing. I still think there would have been people interested in how you play out, but as, as not to get too far ahead of ourselves. But if you're, if, if you're a certain free agent and you're looking at your situation, you're saying, wow, the West looks pretty daunting. My team couldn't get out of the second round. I still got to go through the Spurs. That's and if Durant, thought. Well, Durant. That's Durant, what I would
0: tell other people yeah, who are good at exactly. basketball. That's what I would tell
1: uh, them. And I would think I'd look out east and I'd say, hey, you know that that guy was pretty good with me the first time around and, and got me to a pretty good level and you know that'll be a that'll be another contrived storyline that we'll spend way too much time on, but it'll be uh it, it, I think that's a really good situation and maybe LeBron will get bored or decide to go play minor league baseball for a little while and uh, the East will open up quicker than than the West presumably will.
0: I hate to use this one. Matt Weiner brought it up here last week. I had to put him in his place when he used them. Well, they they might have been the least impressive number one seed in
1: NBA history.
0: And I said, well, hold on. They got that key Game 3 win again, so they did not get swept. There have been plenty of teams that have been swept in the conference finals. Also, the 2003 Pistons won 52 games. The Celtics team won 53. But it wasn't it really bizarre all year that they had that very low point differential? I do not remember what they finished at. I remember it, it was like 3-6 or
1: something?
0: Yes. It was, it? it was
1: something it was absurdly low for a 53-win for for you know, there, there,
0: so there was a lot of times. I remember I did a, did a show with Coach Nick uh, when they were out west – in like February ish or something like that, and they would just lost to Sacramento, and then they went into Portland the night before. I said, "You know what? I think this. There could be a little bit of a regression of the means here. They have this really low point differential. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they keep doing it. Did you, was there ever a point in time in the season where you just said, well, geez, this is kind of they they seem to be doing this with possibly smoking me or at least based analytically? Did you ever think that?
1: Uh, a little bit. I think again the." the the, the the early season hole they dug themselves in and those you think about all those lopsided losses like they're, they're, the normal differential was skewed you know heavy on the on the they negative didn't have side there early blowouts though
0: and it was but bizarre I mean, because the year before they had a ton and they could not win close games now this team was awesome at winning close games
1: well but that's the other thing is like their all their wins are by like two points three points five points and all their losses were you know they they never they 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 didn't have that that normal. I'm trying to think. I'm gonna pull up all my the, the, the schedule now. And said, did they had? I felt like you know the the signature for for Brad's teams in those early years was always they'd be down 15 with they come two back and they cut it
0: to two possessions and get yeah and, yeah. and so
1: and so they lose by three points. That I know, was the had, other
0: team not taking the Celtics seriously. By the way, right? But anyway, exactly. go
1: ahead. <laughs> so I don't think there was as many of those this year. And again, so maybe. You had a little bit more, a couple more losses that were uh, weren't by that, so that skewed your differential a little bit. But yeah, in general, like listen, they they didn't they did the, it, historically they were not supposed to be as good as they were, and you know we can debate the reasons for that or whatever. But um, ultimately, it, as the theme of the show, it didn't matter. It was it was they were still talented enough um, that when they were healthy, when they were together, they showed that they were better than their point differential suggested and so it's a good reminder uh for future seasons that while that is typically an excellent predictor of 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 success and and how they'll do in the postseason i think it was just a fluky thing
0: let's wrap on this we did our this is our season interview show we did our eastern conference finals review with matt weiner so when he deep delves into the eastern conference finals i highly suggest our listenership to go to episode number 211 but that Eastern Conference Finals, as you know, uh, was certainly very forgettable in the uh, in the grand scheme. Very few of us will, will look back and, and and remember that series uh, very fon- fondly. Say very fondly. But I'll finish on this: How important was getting that Game Three win and not going down in infamy as pretty much the worst Conference Finals in NBA history? Yeah, I, it's I would still say... Spurs Lakers two thousand and one, which I don't. Recall you watching because you did bandwagon on the NBA a little later, right? No. Exactly, exactly, definitely, yeah.
1: definitely. Uh, <laughs> I will, I will say it was, it was, it was pretty important. I, I, do think there's something to just as in the same vein of you know getting through that second round was important for the perception of of like how close are they. I think we would have sat there in the aftermath of a sweep and said, "Wow, the gap, the gap is really pronounced," like that. There's just no way to close that, that. That bigger that they have to do massive overhauls here in order to close the gap on uh, the the difference between the, the Cavs when they when they are engaged and the Celtics are where they are. And I don't know if that game three changes it all that much. There's still a very large gap that they must close. But at least in three and with those games three and four, you saw the potential for them to be competitive. That. For whatever reason, whether LeBron just decided to hey challenge his teammates and and figure it out, figure out how to win this one without me, uh, or if he was sick or whatever excuse you want to give it, the Celtics still went out there and I, I, they found a way to win that game. And the the you could just tell it meant so much to guys in those locker room. I think especially with Al Horford, you know that emotional post game interview with Abby where he's like screaming at the camera and. I just, I just thought you, you could tell that, that they found something there um, that was really important to, to the mindset of how they move forward. And, okay, you add a couple pieces. Maybe you narrow that gap a little bit. There's still work to be done. But we can be – they can be competitive. I still almost said we again. They can be competitive with this it's team. okay. It's okay. And and You've uh, got to be true to yourself. Whereas, that's from your mentor, Bob Ryan, by the way. <laughs> I love him. I love that he – and that's a whole podcast on its own about, about fandom and – and, and, Who embracing. says we
0: on this show now? When discussing, he is a first person with the Celtics now.
1: He's we in general, though, right? Yeah, like okay. he, he's just. I mean, just saying. Um, I, I, I feel like again that that was important for the Celtics to get that game. I think it it just gave you it. it, it if they had gotten swept, I don't think it changes anything. I think people would have still been satisfied with the season. It just it gave you a, a little bit of a glimmer of hope about about where they're where they're at. You're listening to CLNS Radio, home to the original Celtics podcast, Celtics Stuff Live.
0: And now, the creme de la creme. You can't really delve into how they did it. They're ping pong balls, after all. But I I can still say that it was something that took me quite some time for that to sink in, even having to read a couple of recaps in the newspaper the next day. But winning the rights to the number one overall pick, Chris, I have no qualms admitting that I actually cried when they lost the Duncan Lottery in 97. I was in the fifth grade after all. But even at 21 years old, it felt like I ate a bicycle after the Odin Durant failure. The Celtics have never moved up in the draft lottery since 1986. We all know that. And they didn't move up a few weeks ago, they just didn't move down, which is all that was needed. However, listen, I still am in some degree of disbelief that that actually happened. And my only explanation for it, it's one of my favorites, and that being that much of life is predicated upon fortune, and fortune favors the virtuous and just.
1: I agree. I, I think uh, even when it got announced, I sat there and was like, wait, this isn't how it's supposed to work. <laughs> the ping pong balls are supposed to go the other way. Um, I, I, you can see with with the Celtics team brass, when they met with us on on the floor after the game, it was like, they were surprised. It was just this. As much as you can plan and 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 and, and anticipate, you know, this was maybe the one thing they couldn't anticipate. But uh, it, I think it, it's a good thing for them that the ball has bounced the way they did. And, and I, I, I'm I'm happy that they can finally, you know, nothing is at the mercy of someone else for a change, right? Like that they can. It, it's on them to make the right decisions from here. And uh, you know what? They got to own it. Like they they either got to find the right guy. Or the, I just can't imagine they make a move. but I know that's for the summer, but I, I just think it, it. of all the things, of all the craziness that happened in this season, I agree. The, the ping pong balls cooperating is maybe the most uh, awe, awe, awe-inspiring, jaw-dropping thing that occurred this season.
0: Now we can conclude ESPN's Chris Forsberg for <laughs> our 2016-17 season review show. Now it's done. Follow the man on Twitter at... ESPN Forsberg, is that correct? I always get you and Goodman hooked up, uh, mixed up. But, you know, Goodman's <laughs> on the other end. It is ESPN Forsberg on Twitter. Is that, that is you? correct. That is correct. correct. All right, let's. And, and, Go let's and
1: listen, we made it through the whole show, and I didn't call you. I'm Tyler Zeller.
0: Okay. Well, you just did you oh. just did you have a very nice summer I'm sure we will speak the rest of the way. <laughs> enjoy these next few weeks too before it gets really crazy <sighs> very, man. music for this show wait. was provided by Chuck Beats and Steph LeGratto graphic designer Scott Dillon CLNS CEO and founder Nick Gelso, and myself the executive producer and host I'm Larry H. Russell see everyone next week for another edition of Celtics Speed, powered by the CLNS Media Network